Oh, it is Matt Mosley. The Matt Mosley Show is uh, live and loaded on a uh, Friday afternoon. And I tell you, one of my favorite guests, uh, a man who uh, loves the history of the U.S. Open, all these majors. But I, I was thinking about, about you. Uh, Mike McGraw joins us now. Baylor men's golf coach and Mike, uh, they were talking the other day about um, somebody took a divot over to France's uh, We Met's grave, and then the, there's the We Met uh, house right across from the Country Club where they're playing this U.S. Open. And I, as I was listening to that, I thought Mike McGraw would be eating this stuff up. Uh, I, I would imagine you do love the history of uh, this particular venue, Mike. And welcome to the show, by the way. Thank you, Matt. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I guess I'm a little bit of a golf history nerd. I've kind of been that way my whole life. And obviously, the country club in Brookline has as much history as any golf course in the world, uh, dating back to 1913, in one of the most improbable finishes maybe ever. All right, so for our people that aren't is, and I'm a historical guy, majored in history at Baylor, but but now the walk us through a little bit of why that was so improbable, and <clears throat> I would have to think that we met and and everybody that was involved at, at that point was where was using niblicks and things like that, and was the course what, what I'm sure they've redone this thing over the years and and uh, as they do with these courses but is the is the layout of Brookline very very similar to how it was early on like what have we had massive changes over the years what's the walk us through a little bit of of that yeah there's been the normal type of changes uh lengthening it with extra tee boxes moving fairway yeah. bunkers thing um, you know, there's been several redos on the golf course, but it's not so much what the golf course is compared to what it was 109 years ago. Pretty much, it's the fact that 109 years ago, uh, a pretty good amateur player beat the two best players in the world at the time. So it's like that's in a playoff. That does not happen. And um, just kind of incredible the story, the way it came about. But yeah, no, it's great history there. And, and looks like we're going to have some more history this week, maybe. Can you name those two top players in the world at that point? Uh, Harry Barden and Ted Ray, I believe. <laughs> I knew you would be able to. <laughs> that should be that should be our Schmaltz's trivia question of the week, right there. Uh, that's that's yeah, good. Harry Barden and, and okay, well that's um, it's 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 fun to watch these things. Love the. Uh, I love the challenge of it, and I love the you know the the historical uh, perspective that you bring. Watching right now, uh, Colin Morikawa. You know, it, wasn't it interesting? And what happens is, it's like anything: the cream rises to the top, and the the big monsters generally, especially on a challenging course like this, as as you get farther into it. The big names are going to come, and they're going to they're going to take over at some point. But one of the great things about the U.S. Open is that for a while, sometimes these guys, like almost like you're talking about, they they that we don't even really know, kind of hang on and hang in there. And I noticed Hayden Buckley, who was right there at the you know around the lead yesterday, is right now tied for second. 
I'm looking down here to see, you know, a couple of these other players. Uh, some of them have fallen off. I mean, there was, uh, uh, oh, there's another one. It, 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 is it MJ uh, Dafu or Dafu? I mean, that guy, uh, Mike, was, I, I think they said he was like 800th in the world just like six or seven months ago. And, and he was leading earlier today the U.S. Open. Yeah, you know, that's probably one of the most unique things about the U.S. Open. It's truly an open championship. As long as, as you have a certain handicap, you can participate in local and then sectional qualifying to get to the U.S. Open. And so if you look at that leaderboard just right now, the top six or seven players, Hayden Buckley, Joel Damon, and Nick Hardy and Matthew, Matthew Naismith all went through local and sectional qualifying to get here. And then you've got some of the top players in the world, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, and Scotty Scheffler, who are all obviously top five players in the world. So here you've got the confluence of not ranked players who got there, got here by qualifying and going through the, the qualifying, and they're in, in the hunt. And, you know, by the way, it's changed a lot. The U.S. Open... It used to be you had to, it didn't matter if you were a former champion or one of the best players in the world, you had to go through local and sectional qualifying. It was, it was kind of a crazy deal. So it's not quite like that anymore now. World rankings get you in. But um, but I will say this, that's really cool that you've got Buckley, Damon, and Hardy, and Nate Smith that all uh, got through local qualifying and sectional to get in. Isn't that amazing? Um, did you ever try to qualify for the U.S. Open back in your uh, in your playing days? I did. I tried, I think, six times and uh, made it through locals uh, three times, but never made it through the sectional. And I remember having breakfast probably a couple of years after I'd made it to, through the local qualifying the last time. Um, but anyway, I was having dinner, breakfast with uh, a guy who's a tour player named Jim Woodward, former Oklahoma State player. And he looked across there and he just smiled and he said, McGraw, what are you going to do if you actually do qualify for the U.S. Open? <laughs> and I said, well, I have no idea. I know my game can't probably handle Olympic club, which is and, – and Jim ended up finishing 18th that year at the U.S. Open. But the point is I, I did make it through locals three times but never made it through sectional. Did you ever run across a guy named Cotton Dunn from uh, uh, oh. from o- Oklahoma State? Yes, Cotton's a good was a good friend of mine. He unfortunately is no, no longer with us. Yeah, but was a really, really good man and a, and a great club professional in the Dallas Fort Worth area. He was a great family friend of ours, and uh, Jerry Ann, you know, is uh, still with us and, and a great friend. But what a it, it's it's funny certain people from Oklahoma. Uh, it's like hallowed t- when you bring up their names, people, uh, they're like, Oh my gosh. So that w- he was a mountain of a man, you know, and it's, uh, it's just fascinating for me to think back. Cause I've only known him. I only knew him, you know, as he got older, but I was trying to imagine what he would have been like back in his playing days. And I would think that would be an intimidating guy to be matched up with. Cause he's just bigger yeah, than, <laughs> Yeah, he was the U.S. junior champion in 1955 and then played for Labor and Harris at Oklahoma State and was a big, big man and a great player and All-American at Oklahoma State, a great guy, but made his uh, life in the game of golf as a club professional uh, in, in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, over at Prestonwood and had a, had a great yeah. career. Uh, talking to Mike McGraw, Baylor men's golf coach, 
Now, Mike, what a, what about some of these Baylor players that are out there? Uh, you know, Johnny's uh, got got a big one coming up in where's it Switzerland? That's going to be really interesting. A lot of the guys. So one of the guys I noticed was uh, playing on the Canadian tour. One of the Dossies. That was that'd be Cooper. Um, I, I'm just sort of I'm just sort of uh, curious, like how many of the former Baylor players tried to qualify? Were you keeping up with that a little bit? Yeah, they, they basically all tried to qualify. Uh, none of them actually made it, but Cooper's been playing really well on the Canadian Tour and then the APT Tour. Ryan Greider, who's been playing well in the APT Tour, is actually in seventh place this week as we speak in, in the Corn Ferry Tour event. So, uh, you know, the guys are doing well, and Johnny's playing in that Paul, Arnold Palmer Cup next month in Switzerland. So got a lot of good things going for Baylor golfers, uh, current and former. And, um, yeah, it's great. To, I just hope Ryan Greider can – you know, change his destiny, if you will, this week with a great finish in the Corn Ferry event. What would you tell one of your guys if they came to you and said, Mike, I've had an option to go play over in the Live Tour on this Saudi back tour? Uh, lots of controversy associated with that. Uh, Phil Mickelson, a big part of that. And then now DeChambeau, they're getting these huge fees. But for some young golfers, that right now the PGA Tour may not be the play, you know there, there's a thought that they can go make a ton of money, knowing all the controversy and I know you've read about this and looked at it from every angle. Like what would you tell one of your guys if they said, "Hey, I I got this opportunity to go over here and play," knowing all the things that are swirling around right now? What would your reaction be to that? Well, some of my former players are playing over there. Uh, Taylor Gooch, who played for me at Oklahoma State, is over there. He um, took a nice, tidy sum to, to actually get over there and played last week in London. And Peter Uline, uh, who was a U.S. amateur champion for me at Oklahoma State, uh, he finished fourth last week and made a million dollars. What I would tell them wow. is that's a, personal, that's a personal decision you have to make. And if if you can get past all the rest, because we, we all – know the uh, human rights issues that, that exist in Saudi Arabia right now. And, and this tour is backed by a fund, a Saudi fund, there's no doubt. Um, it's, it's very controversial. Right now, all they've really done, and they've done a lot in a short time, all they've really done is throw money at something. And that, that's basically what they've done is throw money at it. But the PGA Tour, which I support wholeheartedly, uh, has history, has, is, is about legacy, has the best players, still has the best players, has the best golf courses. Uh, you can make a great living on the PGA Tour. It's maybe not as easy as just somebody giving you appearance money like they're doing in, in Saudi Arabia right now in you know, the Saudi League. But one other thing that they – right now the PGA Tour has been responsible for just a little over $3 billion to charities, local charities, through the years. So there is that sort of uh, caveat that the PGA Tour is about uh, – I, I get it. Money exists. It's about money, too. I know that there's money. But, um, you know, as long as you've got the best players like Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, Scotty Shepard, Roy McIlroy, Xander Shopley, Brooks Kepka, as long as those guys are holding on and many others, uh, I think the tour will be fine. But I also think the tour needs a vision going forward because eventually I think a lot of people will – a lot of guys are just going to – there will be another wave of golfers – that will decide, I want to go for the money. And if it's just about money and not about legacy, that's your own personal choice. Yeah, that's uh, 
that's interesting. And boy, DeChambeau is a big name because he's a huge draw, and and he 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 brings something different to the game. And if he gets basically kicked off the tour while he's doing that, that's that that does cause the tour to suffer in a way, just because he's a, of his Q rating. Do do you this all that Phil's been through, Phil Mickelson, and some of his comments, and he he basically went away for four or five months. Does this? I, I'm conflicted on how to think about Phil right now because he was such a. He's such an incredible player. I thought he was a pretty easy guy to root for. He wins at age 50 the PGA Championship, doesn't get to defend it. Do you Has this changed the way you think about Phil Mickelson? Are you a little conflicted now when you think about him? Because obviously he will go down as one of the all-time greats no matter if he never plays another PGA event. But it, it just... It's so weird for this to happen basically at the end of his PGA Tour career. I, you know, I really, unless and Dustin Johnson, same way. He he's uh, gone over there to the Saudi League, um, I, the Live League. Uh, I I think it depends, I guess. But as far as I'm concerned, both of those men had made plenty of money, and I don't know if they still had that money or if it's gone or whatever. It just I. I can't understand why you would do it if you have that. I'm, I could understand a 22-year-old kid who has no status, and they say, come on over, James Pyatt, the U.S. Amateur Champion from last year. Uh, I can understand why he did it. Uh, I still, I to me, I wouldn't advise him to do that if I was his dad. I think I would probably say, uh, get over here and earn your way onto the PGA Tour. It's not easy, but do it, and you'll make plenty of money if you play well. Uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, Phil Mickelson has made hundreds of millions of dollars in endorsements and uh, prize money. There's got to be, unless he's lost it all, but yeah, his legacy is a bit tarnished right now for other reasons, too. Um, he's probably, well, amongst the players, not very popular. Amongst the fans, still pretty popular. Yeah, talking to Mike McGraw, Baylor men's golf coach. Okay, when we look at the leaderboard now, you uh, you have a great feel for it because you were just naming it all as we – as we were uh, earlier in the program, who do you who do you like? I mean, I this thing's going to only get harder probably. Wind's going to continue to blow. I don't think I haven't seen any rain in the forecast. The rain missed uh, the course earlier today. Uh, of of these, you know, you got huge Rom, Morikawa, Rory, uh, Scheffler. All within striking distance right now, and then you even come down and see some of those names like Sam Burns, Matthew Fitzpatrick's a great young player. Um, Lingberth was up there earlier, and then Xander Keegan. Is there anybody that you you feel like just their game? Is there is there anybody like if you had to make a pick at all those guys right now to to be the uh, champion on Sunday? Who would it be? I think I would pick Colin Morikawa. Um, I know he's leading. It's that's a pretty easy pick, but it, it's like he's got the game to win U.S. Open. He's just—I mean—he does so many things well. He drives it well. He's also uh, incredible strokes gained approach shot. So his, his the way he approaches greens is pretty amazing. But John Rahm is pretty outstanding. Roy McIlroy is playing. He's on heater right now. He's playing beautifully lately. So all of those guys, I think, would have a, a pretty good opportunity. But I'll, I'll go with Colin. I will mention this, too, because I want to mention it, because there's three amateurs, four amateurs who, who are going to make the cut. Um, 
but three of them are currently playing college golf. Travis Vick, Sam Bennett, and Austin Greaser. I think it's just incredible for college golf that we have three players that are all in the hunt. They're one under, one over, and two over right now in the tournament. They're in the hunt. That, that says a lot about the college game right now. Didn't Greaser, was he the one that was uh, finished um, uh, runner-up in the USAM? Is that right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah, this is uh, it, it's it's got to be fun for you to watch this because these are ki- tons of these guys you either recruited, some of them might you know played for you at Oklahoma State. I mean that's really I you know like uh, even that Hostler guy I saw him up close at a recent I was out there for the uh, Nelson and and he's kind of struggling along on the tour, but then you look and there's hot there's Bo Hostler tied for 18th. It's just really mm-hmm. interesting how some guys can kind of – I remember years ago, like Ricky Barnes, and, and obviously he's not where he used to be, but it was just like something about the U.S. Open for these guys that may be even struggling on tour a little bit. It just it, – it, the, the, there's something about the competition. I don't know what it is, but it, it brings out the best in people, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Mike, I knew uh, you've got great perspective on all of this, and that's why I wanted to get you on today. I uh, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on again, Matt. I enjoyed coming on this show. It's great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. There he goes, Mike McGraw, uh, great friend of the show and uh, Baylor men's golf coach. And that's um, I kind of feel like Johnny Kiefer, one of the star players for Baylor, will be playing in the U.S. Open one of these days. And I do, I think it'll be sooner rather than later. His his uh, everything about his game is well suited for this in, in primarily it's the mental aspect of it. I mean, if he, if he gets in the right space mentally and he's usually there, uh, he's steady Eddie and he could stay right in the middle of one of these things and, and the power or anything like that's going to be fine. I 